0: What sweet worship this morning, amen? That was just amazing. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for working through our team. Thank you for the team working hard to bring us before the throne room like we just sang, amen? Come on. Man, it's great to be back here with all of you this morning. It's Sunday. It is. Let me get it out. Come on. What is it? It's our fun day. Come on, man. Man, you guys are ridiculous. Well, half of you are wearing those sweatshirts that you just purchased from the merch store. Um, Sunday is our fun day, man. It's our fun day because we gather as His church to sing praises to an awesome God, and we continue to celebrate life change through His Son Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, church, open your Bibles to First Peter chapter three, we're starting verse eight in a few minutes. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page eight twenty nine. 829. Before we get into this morning's conversation, a couple of things I want to share with you. One uh, is uh, the table ministry is tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Yes. Um, just so you know, it is a ladies, a women's ministry. Uh, guys, we are, are not invited. All right. I have tried to show up and they have kicked me out the door. Said no. All right, so ladies, it's on your programs. You can register there. It's an amazing program. It's a bunch of women, a whole pile of women, love Jesus and come and draw a closer to Him to live for Him. Register, be a part tomorrow night here at 6 p.m. Child care is available, so make sure you check that as you register as well. Uh, the next thing is a reminder for the partners. I know JJ shared that earlier in our host time, uh, but we grab your copy of your budget. Uh, we've been praying over this, presenting it to you, the elders, myself, the stewardship team. Uh, we are presenting to you as a church partners to be voting on it next Sunday morning in the lobby. There'll be some iPads set up there. you'll be voting as partners. And then as a church, not just a partners, all of you are invited to come back next Sunday evening at 6 p.m. right Our vertical celebration, and we're come, come on, give it up um, our vertical celebration as we come together and celebrate all that God has done this past year in his church and what he is calling us to next. You with me on that? All right. Well, this morning, we continue in our series, uh, next up in our series, finding our breakthrough. Breaking free and finding victory in this, in this defeated world. Friends, there are many things in this world that stand against us from living the fullness of life that Jesus Christ provides for us. But as I shared at the beginning of this series, Jesus has overcome this world, right? That means for us that when we stand in Jesus, we too can have victory. We can overcome what's in front of us in this world, that we are not meant to just survive in this world, that in Jesus, he gives us everything for us to thrive in this world. And looking back, we has been walking through each week. We have a core verse that Peter, the author of this letter, was writing a group of people, of followers of Jesus, to encourage them the same. Like, this is for you. You can find your victory. You, me, today in the 21st century, we can find our victory, our breakthrough. But what we've been learning as we walk in through this series, the breakthrough that we're looking for comes to us in ways that we didn't expect. So here's the verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. You can see it on the screen. He says, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. Simply saying, friends, we win by not giving up. Satan and his minions and all the dark things of this world want to do everything they can to take us down. When we choose to fight, to stand in God's grace, that is when we win. We find victory before us by standing in God's strength, in his grace that's poured out in our lives. We stand fast. A phrase that I've been using for this entire series is that we become immovable objects of faith. Right? We stand, we are resolute in who we are in Jesus and whose we are that we belong to him. But friends, our breakthrough will require something of us. It doesn't come freely. While Peter was reminding the first century church over and over again who they are in Jesus, he calls them to live differently calls us to live differently. And this morning, it's going to be a little bit more of the same. In fact, Peter presses the envelope with this on this a little bit harder addressing our relationships in life. How do we have a relational breakthrough in a world that hurts us? How do we have breakthrough in relationships that have hurt us? If you have your Bibles open, we're starting in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. You can find on the screen your Bible or Bible apps. It says, finally, all of you, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. All of you. I love these things that it makes it really clear for us. All of you. Again, you know I like to challenge everything, so I like pull out the original language and say, well, what does all of you mean? Is there a way that I can get out of this? You know, I don't really want to be part of that grouping, and guess what all of you means? Stink, right? All of you, every single one of you are a follower of Jesus. Be like-minded, sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. Peter sets this up by pointing to our in-house responsibility. We as a church, we are as a Christ body. We're to live as one another, love one another as a church. He reminds us that in our pain, That in our suffering, in our hurt, that we are to be sympathetic with one another, what we're walking through. We're to be loving towards each other's, whether we deal with our pain. We're to be full of compassion for our brother and sister in Christ. We're to be humble before others. But there's a problem. There's a problem when it comes to hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. We need to remember that Peter is writing to these people, these churches, on purpose. There's a reason he is saying this. He wasn't just pulling words because it sounded good. He was addressing a situation that was taking place with a group of followers of Jesus. Hurt people, hurt people. And for some reason when we are experiencing pain, when we are experiencing hardship, we have a tendency to take others down with us. We find it easier to hurt those who are closest to us. Our personal family and our church family. He is dressing the church. Now, Nowadays, there's a term for this, it's thrown out there that people use in churches, it's called church hurt. There's a such thing as called church hurt. And because of church hurts, people have walked away from the church saying, I love God, I love Jesus, but I'm done with the church. Because of church hurt, people have walked away from their Church. And I think it's very interesting that in the ministry, in the church, that we have put a label on it as if church hurt is something special or unique. No. All it is, is the broken world finding its way into the house of the Lord and into the lives of his children. I've seen it. I've experienced it you've seen it, you've experienced it. I was praying through this this morning, I was, I was sitting there going through this message and talking to God and drinking my coffee and I was, we're talking and he brought to mind uh, many, many years ago when I was an early, when I was younger, when I was younger, I was a deacon, a leadership of a small country town in upstate New York, where church was a thing became very real the pastor of the church where they'd been there for 25 years had left there was some unattended divisions between families in the church it caused a huge uh, division in the church and and we, and all this stuff was going on i remember being in a new pastor in and we're having this meeting and a church meeting business meeting and i remember seeing the the evil unfold before my eyes see people were hurting their church family was hurting. Their, their pastor they loved and raised their kids with was gone and, and moved on. And there was some unfinished resolve, reconciliation between other families. And instead of walking through this, as God would call us to, they chose to use the opportunity as hurt people to hurt people. I've set an impression in my mind that I'll never forget, because it was at at that season in my life that God was calling me into ministry. And I was like, what? (laughs) Friends, our call by Jesus is to be different. To be holy, set apart in our hardship. Not hurting other people, not hurting one another, but loving one another in our pain. And as we stand in his grace, as you stand in his grace, everything changes. See, because we, sometimes we feel like we go through our hardship and a pain, like we're the only ones dealing with it. And so we lash out because we want to hurt people because we want them to feel what we're feeling. But as we stand as followers of Jesus, we lock arms. Imagine locking arms, locking arm, locking arm, locking arm. Then we become an immovable mountain for Jesus. But when we act and live like we're alone, that we have nobody walking, and we start biting on our own family, this isn't locking arms. We're surrounding the weak. And we're attacking. Peter's reminding them. You are royal priesthood. Set apart people. Stop it. Lock arms. Instead of hurting those closest to you, love on them. Be like-minded. Sympathetic. What they're walking through. What you're walking through. Compassionate. And humble. Because friends, we may think that we always have the right in our head. We're not always right. But then, just when we thought Peter was done, he throws it down. Look at verse 9. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On contrary, repay evil with a blessing because this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Let's stop there again. Now he's encompassing not all those in the church, but all those we are connected with in this world, all of our relationships. In the family of the house of God and those who are not a part of the house of God yet. Listen, if I could remove Verses in scripture from the Bible that I don't like, that I don't want to follow, this might be in the top of my list. (laughs) Think about this. I mean, come on. I think many of you would jump on the bandwagon with me because this is not our natural response. And as I read these last two verses, eight and nine, I come to this conclusion. How we respond to the evil that comes walking into our lives determines if our lives are truly walking with Jesus. Our response, if we're honest, is to repay evil with equal to or greater evil. We want to be the judge to push out the punishment. We want the pain that we feel be thrown on the other people. We want them to feel our pain. But Peter reminds us of something different, something greater than our natural broken response is that there's a supernatural within us, inside of the children of God, that if we're truly listening to the Holy Spirit, would be and react and respond differently. It says to which you have been called. Meaning that you are, you who are in Jesus. You who are chosen for a purpose, live differently. We've been called to respond to the evil around us that comes into life, that confronting us, that hits us in a supernatural way. Come on. If you we just pick up this Bible, pick up the scripture and start reading, church. Read read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Yeah. Because when we do, when we dig in, we see over and over again life and response of those who are walking in God's grace and how they are confronted with evil in their life and how God has called them to live it out. I mean, as I stand here this morning, as I was praying through this this past week, pulling this all together, I think of this Israel's first king, the crazy king, Saul. Yeah, yeah. Crazy king Saul. That dude was woo-hoo. Right? And, and I think about their future king, David. Saul could not stand David. He hated him. He wanted him out of his way. He wanted him his dead. Why? Because he knew David was the anointed king. He was going to take over the kingdom. And Saul wanted it all for himself. You have to see what this was going on. Look at this. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 10 and 11. Look on the screen. It says, The next day the evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in the house while David was playing, playing to Lear, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. What? David eluded him, not once, but twice. I don't know about David. Come on, think about this. There was evil in the world that was present to take down God's chosen. But how did David respond? He simply dodged the death threat. For reals, if it was me, I would have pulled my inner warrior. would have painted my face and it was just like taking you out. I'll paint you against the wall. insight the rich (laughs) later later on david was hiding in his cave again running for his life could have taken out saul but he simply cut a piece of his robe off only show what he could have done but he did not do it he did not respond like he wanted to but how god called him to even when he had people around him cheering him on to take him out, he actually said, the Lord forbid that I do such a thing. The Lord forbid that I live out this natural response, but I do what he has called me to do. Jesus, getting punched in the face, spit on, crown of thorns, being jammed on his head, chose not to repay evil for evil, but took the opportunity to point to the truth of the gospel. I'll bring this all back to what Peter is saying to those who are suffering hardship and adversity and pain in the first century. It says if Peter is saying to them, listen, I know your pain. I know what you're walking through. I know what you feel hurt I know that you're suffering this emptiness, feeling inside. You're broken and the world's taking you, hitting you from all different directions. I get it. I understand what you're facing. But this is point number one. But here's the truth. Suffering leads to sinning or serving. Which will you choose? Suffering leads to sinning or serving which do you choose? When you are punched by the hurt of this world, we must choose for ourselves how we will respond. Will we sin? We will we go against everything that we've been called to live as a follower of Jesus to act like this world and start hurting others around us? Friends, God is telling us, and it's not easy to hear that that when evil comes our way, it is not to be met with the same amount or greater amount of evil. We're to meet that evil, that hurt, that pain with a blessing. Now, listen, I remember, I said if I could, if I had the authority, and I don't, if I did, I would take this verse out. Rip it out of scripture. Mark it off because I don't want to follow because that is not my natural response. Back in high school, um, I, I played football. I loved to play football. I loved to play football for one reason. I could hit somebody as hard as I want and not get in trouble for it. Think about this. You play, you run as hard as you want, and hit someone as hard as you want, and you don't get in trouble. In fact, I had people cheering me on when they heard the pads crash. Like, yo, come on, wonderful hit. I'm like, yes. Every once in a while, somebody would get a good hit on me. I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to immediately seek you out the next play. Look right in the eyes, I don't care what the coach calls, I don't care where the play is going, I'm going to find you, and it's going to hurt. I did that, I'm sorry, I did that. It's going to hurt. And there was no, it was so much joy, it hit them so hard the next play that I see snot bubbles coming out of their nose, I'm like, yeah, baby, stay in your lane. That is how, if left to myself, that I would respond to the hurt and evil that happens in my life. And it's my guess that many of you are with me. But God says, to which you have been called, to set aside your natural response and live out the supernatural response through the Holy Spirit that resides within you as a child of God, every follower of Jesus, that we respond to the hurt and the pain that we are experiencing with a blessing. Not sinning to gain our own reward, not serving up the evil of this world that we experience for our own glorification, but serving the evil that we experience up to Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's a hard one, isn't it? Well, Peter understood this. He knew, like, okay, I'm going to throw all these things down. I'm going to bring them into alignment. I'm going to say these things they don't want to hear, and they're going to be like, okay, let's have a great day. No, 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 he pushes the envelope because the next several verses, he tells you and I how to live this out. How do we end up serving instead of sinning? How do, what are the things we should be doing to get to the other side and act more like Jesus and less like the world? Look at this. F- point number one. How do we choose to serve? Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Look at verse. Look at verse ten. He goes on and says four. Whoever would love, would love a good life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Keep our tongues from evil. Friends, our words matter. Every word matters. Anything that comes out of our mouths can never be taken back again. Every word that comes across our lips in this, today's world, every go te- even further than that, every word that's typed or text, emailed or posted on social media, makes a difference. And are we going to use our words as a matter of sinning, or are we going to use our words as a matter of serving others? How do we respond when people cut us down? How do we respond when people say or approve of or post anything that differs from our personal position? Man, right now, we're in such a technology-driven world. Our world is at a war of words in the digital space. People use the social platforms that were meant to bring community as an emotional public diary dump. And they take other people out in the process. They use it as a weapon to cut other people down, to sweep other people in their lives, even their brothers and sisters in Christ. And I get it. It's really easy to get keyboard courage and to type and hit send. It's really easy to get your thumbs flying and hit post. I see some of the trash that's out there and I want to respond. I want to jump into the debate and have the conversation. Sometimes I see some things out there I want to push people's faces in scripture. Say, listen, what does that say? There's a ton of things I want to say but I can't and I don't because I have come to the conclusion and I'm no better than you in this But I know the greatest move I can make for the kingdom is to stand fast in this broken world. And to stand fast who I am is to simply watch my words. Am I I serving myself by responding or am I serving others before me? Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue... Has the power of life and death. Those who love it will live, who love it will eat its fruit. What fruit do you choose to eat? The one that gives life or the one that leads to death? If you want breakthrough, friends, you want to choose to serve. And what your mama said when you're a little kid still holds true with your walk with Jesus. Watch your mouths. Amen? Now, just, just for a little, little solid foundation here, if you're like, well, Rich, you're just kind of stepping on our toes this morning, let me just tell you what Jesus says. You know, we had this truth sayer like I'm always speaking the truth. Let me let me tell you what Jesus says. Matthew twelve thirty six. He says, "But I tell you that everyone, everyone, we can't get out of this one. Will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken." Gulp. Peter goes on, verse 11, he says, they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Let's stop there again. We are to watch our mouths B. we are to seek peace. You want to serve others, seek peace. I mean, think about it. Peace is what so many people want. Peace is because we're living a life of chaos. Is why people come to Jesus. Like, my life is turned upside down. I don't know what's going on. I have this emptiness inside. I need this peace in my life. And they come to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you peace. That's what we seek and desire in our lives. But we need to seek it out even in our hardships. With our words and our actions. But too often our words and our actions and our lives say something different. We want our pound of flesh. And we're not going to stop until we get it. And if that's our hearts, we'll never have peace. We'll always be toiling and hurting inside. Think through this with me. Right now, in your life, in the lives of those around you, can you where, where can you bring peace to frustration? Things that you're walking through, things that your hardships you're dealing with, where can peace step in and make a difference for you? So it's not long you're taking people down, but you're serving them up to Jesus. I'll be mean, very clear: seeking peace is not rolling over and just taking a beating, as many people think. Seeking peace is giving God the opportunity to intervene to something we can't and do something we can't see. Seeking peace is serving others. We all have motives. We can either hurt people while we're experiencing our own suffering, or we can choose to seek peace in it. And by the way, true peace is countercultural, but it's so Jesus. Jesus sets us straight in case we're again, we're wondering or had any confusion. He says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, blessed are are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Watch our mouths. Seek peace. We got three here. C, get on your knees. Get on your knees. Peter is setting a pattern for us to have our relational breakthrough. Verse 12, he goes on, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God's eyes are on the righteous, those who are living in a right standing with him. He listens to their prayers. Those who are doing evil, he is not listening. Those who are deciding to take other people down in their own pain, he is not listening. He hears our hearts. He understands our pain, our suffering, our isolation, our hurt. He gets it all. Why? Because his son Jesus experienced it. His ears are attentive to our prayers. How are you praying? Right now, forget the hardship or the pain. How are you praying? What does your prayer life look like? Okay, how about those who are dealing with difficulty, adversity, suffering, pain, hardship, whatever it may be in your life right now? How are you praying? Are you even praying? Too often, God's children fail to communicate with the one, with Him on a regular basis. We get so busy in life, we've reduced, right? We reduced our communication with the Creator of the universe as the hazard lights on our vehicles. That we only push them and turn them on when there's a problem. And what we need to realize that when it comes to suffering and standing fast in his grace and standing in victory in this world, prayer is not a backup plan. Prayer is our battle plan. Right? It's not something we just bring in at the last moment like, Jesus, take the wheel. Right? It's not what we do. You bring it into your world. It becomes part of who you are. Why? Because it's our battle plan. We're standing fast. We're talking to God. He's giving us everything we need. Prayer is not just a one-way street. As we're talking to Jesus, Jesus is talking to us saying, get out of your head. Get it right. Act like I've called you to act and stand fast with everything that I've given you. It's not a backup plan. It's our battle plan. It prepares us for what's to come. It sustains us when it hits. Why? Because that's how God designed it. What's your first instinct when the hurt of the broken world comes? Is it to open your mouth and lash back? Or is it to open your mouth and talk to the only one who can make a difference? How many times did Jesus get on his knees? before he stepped in a difficult situation? How many times did Jesus get on his knees after he went through a difficult situation? Praying is how we serve. We serve others because we come before the Father who helps set our hearts right. And when our hearts are right, righteous, we're not taking others down. Get on our knees and let God expose where we're truly at and we let him change and then we move forward. You with me? All right, one more. Peter's not done. Lastly, offer hope. We offer hope. Look at verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are what? We are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for, to give you for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. But do this, look at this, with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience, and this is the beautiful thing. So those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. There is something beautiful that when we are in the midst of darkness or hardship or pain, that when we stand fast in his grace, the world sees something different. And when they say, listen, how can you be facing this and still living this way? How can you be experiencing this and still be walking through with such joy in your heart. You and me and we, we can simply say Jesus. Jesus. The little section at the end there, again it says, those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. When we Live in the righteousness of the King. We stand fast, not lash out at each other or people in the world that cause pain and hurt in our lives. Those, I love this, those. Who want to take us down, those outside who don't belong to the church yet, they're looking at us and they're saying things and evil's hitting us, they're the ones who are gonna be put to shame. Not us. There's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus, there is no shame. The shame comes when we start living like the world, not how Scripture calls us to. So we stand fast. In all our relationships, we love the church. We are his bride. And sometimes I think God is shaking his head how we treat each other in the bride. And then we need to understand how he shakes his head to how we treat people who are not in the bride yet. Our breakthrough, being a light in hardship, standing fast, is a testimony that Jesus changes everything. When we live out what we believe to be true, it gives God every opportunity to point others far from Him to Him. Imagine if all God's children chose to live this out. Every single church, every follower of Jesus, if every single one of us chose to live these verses out, imagine the impact the church would have on the world. Imagine if every single one of your enemies saw you live this way imagine <laughs> now I want you to take that image and live it because as follower of Jesus we are called to do just that and nothing less that's how we find our breakthrough relational breakthrough you with me Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, some of these verses I don't like. Not because you wrote them. I don't like them because they're hard to live. And I know that because how I've lived so thankful for your grace and your mercy in my lives that forgiveness is a thing. Help me personally stand fast in your grace. Help my life. Help me learn to serve others. Help me love your bride. Help me love those who are not with you yet. Let my life a light to the world I'm not going to get it perfect but I follow one who has God I think for that for our church my family we all have our situations we're walking through the hurt, the heartache, the pain you've called them to live the same way. I pray that you strengthen them this morning. I pray that your grace is washing over them right now. Your spirit is showing them that there is a different way. The supernatural way of following Jesus. It doesn't take the pain away. but it gives us everything we need to face it, walk through it, and glorify you in it. Right now I'm going to call our prayer team to come forward. If you're in this room and you are dealing with these relationship hardships, hurt, pain, struggle, and, man, you just want to let it go this morning. You're ready to just give it up. Like, I don't want this in my life, Lord. I don't want to feel this hurt. I don't want to walk through anymore. I'm going to challenge you to come forward right here right now to get out of your seats while our heads are about to come up and talk to our prayer team. Do not carry that burden. Do not carry that pain. There is one within you, one who is here, present with all of us, who has the strength to carry it for you. His name is Jesus Christ, and he has the grace for you today. Don't walk out those doors carrying a burden you were never meant to carry. Come to me, you who are weary, and I'll give you peace. Rest for your souls. Maybe you're in this room this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've been walking through and dealing with pain. You don't know how to get out. You don't know how to get through it. Maybe it's the opportunity this morning to surrender your life will give you everything you need for life and godliness. His name is Jesus. I encourage you to come up. Challenge you to come up. And make him the Lord of your life. We believe Jesus changes everything. And let him change everything about you this morning. God, again, thank you for making it real. Thank you for keeping it raw. Thank you for including all of us. It's not easy, but we know the best life is found in your will. We worship you, we praise you, and this morning the entire church says what? Amen. God bless church, have an amazing week.